0: Can you imagine what it must have been like for the shepherds when they heard from that angel, come and see what God has done? Now, that moment that that baby was born, the moment that, that all of the creation stopped when Jesus, the God, became flesh, became that little baby born of a virgin, born in that manger, know this, that that wasn't the end of what God did. When we hear those words, come and see what God has done, God continues to do what God has done. God continues to move and to use that moment, that occurrence, that gift to change everything. And that's what hope really is all about. That's what the idea of hope is. And that's what we talk about here today. And I want you to turn in your Bibles with me this morning to an unusual passage at Christmas time. And we're going to go to Psalm chapter 6, not really known as a Christmas passage, but, but bear with me. You'll see as we walk through today, we're going to see exactly why that actually makes a difference. It matters at Christmas time so that we truly can see exactly what it means when you get this idea. Come and see what God has done. Now, before we jump into that passage, let's spend a moment, let's just pray together that God would bless the reading of His Word. Heavenly Father, we thank You today for the opportunity that we have to open Your Word to hear from You. And so I pray that we would open our hearts and open our ears. God, that we would focus on what it is that You want us to walk away from this room with today so that we will be changed, we will grow, we will be encouraged. But God, if there's someone watching or someone listening today that, that does not know You as Lord and Savior, I pray that in this moment together today, they would recognize their need for a Savior. And their need for a savior is very clearly laid out in God's word that we are all sinners, that we have fallen desperately short of the glory of God, and because of our sin that we deserve to be separated from God, but but that God gave that free gift. That free gift of forgiveness and salvation that came through what Jesus did when He died on the cross for our sins, when He was buried and when He rose again. And when we come to the place in our lives where we believe that Jesus is God's Son, that He died and that He rose again, according to Your Word, that we will be saved. I pray that if there's someone in this room or someone watching or listening today that has not done that, I pray that this day, God, that they would come to that recognition and that they would call on Your name and that they would be saved. And God, we give you praise in advance, glory in advance for the work that you are going to do through your word today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we walk through this passage and we talk about hope, hope, the thrill of hope, the hope for the heart that we all desperately need, I told you to turn to Psalm chapter 6, but I want to read a passage briefly before we jump into that passage, a passage that we read last week from Isaiah chapter 9, and it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of peace, of the increase of His government and peace, there will be no end. Now, we talked about that passage last week. We kind of walked through it verse by verse, word by word, name by name. And we came to that last statement, those three words that are found in the last part of that first verse there, verse 6, where it says, Prince of Peace, that that's what Jesus came to be, the one to give us peace, the one to give us encouragement, the one to, to give us hope that's what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks because we all desperately need and want hope now we live in a world today no question where you hear a lot about people calling for asking for talking about peace everybody wants world peace politicians they want world peace our celebrities on tv they want world peace those who in pageants. They want world peace. We all want world peace, right? The problem is, is that very often we forget or we don't know, we're ignorant to the fact of where we can find peace. Because peace does not come from what we can do. Peace does not come from what we can think up, what we can conjure up, what we can write, what we can say. It doesn't come from laws that we can pass or, or rules that we can enact. Peace comes from the one who came to be the prince of, peace. In other words, we will never find peace in our world until we come to the realization, the understanding that we have to trust in Christ and Christ alone. And so today that's what we want to spend a little bit of time talking about. We've been talking about hope, and we've been walking through over the last few weeks with Charles and Scott and and along with what I shared last week, how to find hope, what hope looks like. And today what we want to talk about is kind of like the, the, the promise that we have of hope. And, and we're talking about the hope for the heart. Because when it comes right down to it, that's what we all desire is hope for the heart. In other words, that no matter where we are in life, no matter what situation, how badly things might be going, that we can find that kind of hope. Which now points us back to Psalm chapter 6. Now, before we read that passage, I want to make sure you kind of get the understanding, get the context a little bit of, of kind of what this, this passage we're going to read, kind of where it came from. And what it came from is, was the heart and, and the pen of David. Uh, that David sat down in a time of brokenness and a time of pain. That David sat down in a time of, of hopelessness in his own life. Uh, much because of his own sin, because of the sin with Bathsheba, that he was seeing the results of sin. He was seeing the pain that comes from that. He was seeing the the destruction that was taking place, not only in his own life, but in his family. He saw so many difficult things that were going on as a result of his own actions and his life and, and all of the things that were out of control. And I don't know about you, but I think for all of us in this room, there's probably been moments... In our lives where we felt like our life was out of control. I'm not going to ask you for examples of that. I'm not going to ask you like to raise your hand. Like, hey, tell me, is your life out of control? Let's all celebrate. now. I'm not going to ask you that today. But we've all been there. And that's where David kind of from that position, that position of weakness, that position of pain, that position of sorrow, that he writes these words from Psalm chapter 6 beginning with verse 2. Listen to these words. He says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled, but you, O Lord, how long? Now think about those words for a moment. Have you ever been to a place in your life where you've cried out to God, have mercy on me? God, I need mercy. God, I need strength. God, I need deliverance. Listen, I'll be honest, I think we've all been there. And, and if we say we haven't been there, we're probably not being, you know, completely truthful. Because we've all been to that place where it just seems like everything is so out of control. It's like, God, we, we need you. God, I'm weak. God, I'm, I, I'm lacking strength. God, I'm, I'm out of control. God, I, I'm seeing trouble all around. God, I need you. We've all been there. David was there. And so David wrote these words not from a context of Christmas, he wrote these words from a context of a broken heart. And as we walk into this Christmas week, I thought this would be a great passage for us to spend some time kind of breaking down, because let's be honest, at Christmas time when we are facing hopelessness in our own lives, when we are going through difficult moments in our lives, when we feel weak in our own lives, it seems like Christmas does nothing but to accentuate those moments. It seems like it it shines a spotlight on our pain and our sorrow. And so that's why today I just want to spend a little bit of time kind of walking through these two verses and then we're going to add on another verse at the end of our time together here today from David's heart and from David's thoughts, from David's pain to help us to see that even in the greatest moments of hopelessness in our lives, hope is still there that hope is always exactly what God promises to give. And so let's just spend a little bit of time kind of looking at this passage and kind of underscore some of the thoughts and and kind of like, kind of throw it back at David if we could. David's not here, obviously, but kind of throw it back at him so that we can kind of explain to him and let's be honest, explain to us that when we get to that same kind of place that we can find hope. And the first thing I want to share with you today this Christmas season, that there is no pain too great that God can't deliver you from. Again, go back to this passage, Psalm 6, verse 2, the first part of this verse, Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. I am weak. Now remember, this is written from David's context, his life of of absolute pain, where everything has fallen apart. And this is a guy, if you remember, who was the one who killed Goliath with one stone. Remember that? He was the one that all of Israel looked to for deliverance. He was the one that they cried out. Remember, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. This was a man that the world looked at as a strong leader. This was a man that the world looked to for strength. It was the one that the world looked to for guidance, for direction, all of israel was counting on him depending on him they knew that he was god's anointed and god's anointed was saying this have mercy on me lord for i am weak can you imagine if there would have been a media like a press back in those days can you imagine if David, you know, said those words or wrote those words and, and, and you know, the, the press corps got a hold of them and put them on the front page of every newspaper. They put them all over 24-hour television news, cable news, put it out on Twitter and Facebook. Can you imagine how disheartening that would have been to the people who were following him? You see, David was coming from a position of absolute weakness. And listen, I want you to hear me today. There is no pain too great That God cannot deliver you from. David needed to know that. David needed to hear the answer that God would give as a result of his great pain, of his great sorrow. And so today what I want to do as we read this, as we walk through this passage, is I want to read David's words and then I want to give David an answer and give us an answer. I want to give us God's answer to David's prayer. Remember David's prayer, first part of it, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. Well. Have you ever been in a place in your life where you were so weak, where the pain was so great that you just didn't know what to do? Now listen, he wasn't talking about physical pain here. Even though most of us, when we think about pain, we think about physical pain. I remember back in June, I had just gotten home on a Sunday afternoon from church. We'd been here, we'd gathered together, worshiped together. I got home and, and we had, uh, we were grabbing lunch and then uh, I was gonna go out for the afternoon with Sherry and, and with my daughter Natalie. And before we left, I think Sherry was having me go out on the back porch to water some plants. Plants are of the devil. I just believe that with all my heart. I believed it more that day because I walked out on the back porch. And when I went out on the back porch, I I shut the door behind me. But for some reason, as I shut the door behind me, as I grabbed the door to pull it shut, I didn't quite remove my hand quick enough. And you know, you can think when you shut your hand in a door, it kind of hurts sometimes, right? Well, this time it hurt a little bit more than usual because when I closed my finger in the door... I, I pulled my hand away like, man, that hurt, and I looked down and I noticed that, that the tip of my finger had actually completely been cut and all was hanging on literally by a thread. It was just kind of, not a thread, there was no th- I had no thread in my finger, but it was just hanging on. It was hanging loose and blood was pouring everywhere, and, and then I could see the, the searing pain. It was so awful. And I yelled, and I ran back inside, Natalie was standing in the kitchen, didn't know what was going on as I came in, and, and she quickly became large and in charge, man, she grabbed some paper towels and, and wrapped my finger up, and, and, and we immediately ran out to the car and she drove me to one of those dock-in-a-box things, you know. Uh, man I mean the pain was so intense, I was riding in the car, Natalie will attest to this, she was driving, I was riding in the car, and I was rocking back and forth. People probably thought that she was taking me to a home. Because I was rocking back and forth. I mean, it was so intense. I could not talk. I could not speak. I mean, it was so bad. And it got to the doctor and they, they ended up stitching it up. I can't remember how it's like 20 some stitches. And and they, you know, they had stitches internally and then stitches externally. And in fact, I still can't even feel the tip of my finger at all. There's no feeling because I, I, I severed the nerves, everything. But it was interesting that after a little while, after I got to the doctor and after they had, you know, done all the, 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 the stitches, the sutures all that stuff and wrapped it up, then we came out. And actually, it's like, I didn't feel the pain anymore. Now, when I was in the midst of that pain, here's what I thought. I thought that I will never not live with pain the rest of my life. It was that bad. And now here I was, and it was like, well, this is not too bad, I feel pretty good. Got back in the car, she, you know, Natalie's sitting there like, you know, you know pretty proud of herself because she had like taken control, taken charge. And listen, that's kind of a picture of what so often goes on in our lives. But what David's writing here is not about physical pain, he's talking about emotional pain. He's talking about pain that comes from the inside. And when he says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak, here's what he was really saying. God, there is so much going on in my life right now, I don't have it within me to make it through. Anybody been there? Let's look at God's answer. You see, God's word gives us an answer to that cry, not only for David's cry, but for our cry. And here's what the answer that was given. Now, the answer that was given actually comes from the book of John. In chapter 16, listen to these words. Jesus answered them, do you believe this? indeed the hour is coming yes it has now come that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone and yet i am not alone because the father is with me listen to verse 33 these things i have spoken to you that in me you may have peace in the world you will have tribulation but be of good cheer i have overcome the world now think about that statement for a moment Jesus answered the cry of David, answered our own cry. And here's what he said. Listen, in this world, you're going to have tough times. You're going to walk through tribulation. There are going to be moments where you can't imagine being able to make it one more day. We could, you know, insert here 2020, right? Because 2020 has been one of those years where like over and over again, it's like, man, I just can't keep doing this. I mean, how long am I going to have to wear this mask? How long am I going to have to be isolated? How long am I going to be away from my family and my friends? I was talking with Tim Grandstaff this morning. And we were talking about his mom who uh, is in a, in a, a nursing facility because of some health issues that she had back in January and February of this year. And so in March, she entered into this facility. And then, of course, right after she entered into this facility, you know what happened. COVID shows up, shuts everything down. And now here we are nine months later, and Tim was sharing with me this morning, That they've only been able to actually be like in the room with her twice in nine months. That they've had to talk to her through windows. They've had to talk to her through plastic and and separated by great distance. And now, because of a, a resurgence of COVID, that they can't even actually go see her at all. And I'm sitting back thinking, like, like how long do we have to go through this? And that's what David was saying. But here's what Jesus answered and said: Hey, listen. In this world, you will have great tribulation. Life is going to be tough. Problems are going to be overwhelming. You're going to find yourself, like David, come into the place where you're going to say, Have mercy on me, God, for I am weak. And here's what Jesus said In this world, you'll have great tribulation, but be of good cheer. Have courage. Be strong, because I have overcome the world. There is no pain too great. There is no pain too severe. There is no problem too overwhelming that you will not be able to walk through in victory because God has already given us the victory. Does that encourage you today? Is that, does that give you like some, some, some strength today that no matter what you might face tomorrow, that God has already promised you, listen, it's going to be tough, I get it, but oh, hey, be of good courage, be strong, because I have overcome the world. No pain too great. Now, David goes on to write here, after he says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak, he goes on to talk a little bit more about it, and and it kind of brings up another statement, that there is no grip too great. There's no grip too strong that's going to hold on us too much. Look what it says in verse 2, the last part of that verse. Oh, Lord, heal me, David writes, for my bones are troubled. Now, you think about it. There's a natural progression that David has given to us here. He starts with the statement, I am weak. That kind of refers back to the a physical sense. I don't have what it takes. And now what he's saying is this, listen, this pain and the sorrow and the suffering has gotten such a, a grip on me, now he says, God, my bones are troubled. This is kind of the first iteration, the first picture of it cuts clean to the bone. You have ever heard that before? That's what it's talking about here. And David said, listen, this goes deep. This goes beyond the physical and it goes to like internal. Man, it's like eating me up, and it's like someone walked up behind me and and wrapped his arms like a bear hug, wrapped his arms around me, holding on to me, and I can't move. Now remember, David is writing this as a result of his own sin. David is writing this from the context of, man, my sin has caused such destruction. David understood that. Remember David was a man after God's own heart, right? So so David knew, like, like where he was and what he was going through. He knew that, like, this was self-inflicted. He got it. He understood it. And he was saying, so he's saying, here, my my bones are troubled. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I think probably there's some people gathered in this room, someone watching today, that feels the same way David did. You feel like you're in a bear hug where somebody has wrapped their arms around you and they are gripping and they're holding on tight and you cannot move and you don't know what to do. And it goes beyond just simply feeling weak. It goes to the point where you, like, like all the way, you're, you're inside, you are so weak and so troubled, you don't know what to do. Here's God's answer. God's answer comes from Psalm 31 verse 24. Be of good courage, be of good courage. And he, God, shall strengthen your heart all you who hope in the Lord. Think about that statement. Be of good courage. In other words, he's like, listen, don't worry about it. That's kind of like the biblical way to say, don't worry about it. It's all good, all is well, because He will give you strength. Now, understand that in that verse I just read, there's kind of a promise, but there's also a requirement. It's kind of a two-part deal here. One is on God, and one is on us, okay? The promise is this. He will strengthen your heart. Remember, this goes right to the bone. David's saying, listen, my bones are troubled, and God says, oh, hey, no worries. Don't worry about it. I will strengthen your heart. I will strengthen your bones. I will take care of you, but notice the requirement of us. So God will do his part. Here's our part. All you who hope in the Lord. In other words, not those who hope in government, not those who hope in self, not those who hope in friends, not those who allow codependency to be part of your life where you have to have something, whether it's a friend or whether it's a bottle or whether it's a pill. No, 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 no. You don't find your hope in anything of this world. You see, God's promise is this, I will strengthen your heart for those who hope in the Lord. It comes from Him. You see, you will never experience the deliverance that God promises to give until you get to the place where you have exhausted all of the other things that you hope in you have walked away from all of the ideas that the world says this is what you've got to count on this is what you've got to depend on this is what you've got to cling to you have to walk away from all the stuff the world says and you've got to come to the place where you just say this i hope in god and god alone and that means not even hope in the church like, it's not like, I, I, man, I, I'm going to church so that, you know, uh, hopefully there, somebody can give me some, some hope. Somebody can help me. Somebody can encourage me. No, no, no. you got to hope in God. And we come to this room to learn about Him, but He's the source of the hope. Not us, not the church, not your friends, not your family, not the pill, not the bottle. Him. The promise, I will strengthen you. The requirement, when you hope and trust in me. So there's no grip too great. There are times when sin gets such a grip on us that we feel like we can't get away. There's no grip too great. There's no grip too strong. He will strengthen you when you put your trust in him. Here's the third thing. There's no journey too far. I can't tell you how many times I've talked with people in my life that have shared with me that because of their sin, they feel like they've gotten too far away from God. There's no way to come back. That they've gone like one step too far like god's done with me you don't know what i've done i mean i've gone, I've gone too far i've done too much I, god's done look what david wrote here in this verse verse three first part of it my soul also is greatly troubled now remember the progression right first he's weak physical my bones are troubled that's internal my soul is also greatly troubled in other words man This has encompassed my very being. Everything there is about me is troubled. He's saying, man, this has been a journey that has taken me so far where everything in my life is encompassed by, it's overwhelmed by fear, it's overwhelmed by pain, it's overwhelmed by sorrow. It is too great. But then David, who again, a man after God's own heart, is wise enough, smart enough, bright enough, Here's what he does. I love this. After he says that my soul also is greatly troubled, he writes a couple of words that are pretty important in the context of what God's word says. He says this, but you, O Lord. I can take you to many different passages in scripture where you can find the statement and different variations of it where it says this, but God. And every time you find a statement in Scripture that says, but God, it's always preceded by life is out of control, and there's trouble, and there's pain, and there's sorrow, and there's no hope. Romans six twenty three it says, the wages of sin is death. I deserve to be separated from God, but the gift of God. So God's answer is always this, I got this. And so David understood, but you, O oh Lord, look what God's answers. is, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4 and 5, but God who is rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Him, with Christ, by grace you've been saved. In other words, we were dead in our sins. We had taken the journey that was way too far. We had gone so far down the road that there was no getting back over there. But God, when He recognized that we were dead because of our sins... He sent his son Jesus as a little baby born in a manger that would one day die on the cross to pay for our sins and one day rise again three days later. And by doing that, that he would find us on that journey that had taken us too far from God and he would once again make us alive. When we were dead because of our sins, we've been made alive by Christ. There's no journey too far, no matter how far you've gone, gone, no matter how far you've run, no matter how difficult your life has become because of your own actions or because of the actions of others, but God will always deliver you. And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.